When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Official 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the Unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com. And the uh, entire gang, except for Bob, is here. Bob is dealing with a tree that has fallen on his house. And it's his anniversary tonight. So anniversary. happy anniversary, yeah. uh, Bob and Brittany. 100%. I don't know if we're allowed to say... Both no, he, those names, but it is. Okay. I think we are. We talked about it on a radio today, so we're good. Oh, okay. He okay. tweeted it too. He's yeah. so private. I don't know if he he appreciates the fact that you know that information is out there. Uh, so welcome back, uh, boys. Thank you for allowing me to be on one of your shows. I'm just you know I'm I'm so happy to be a part of one of the broadcasts. We didn't approve it, so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we are here. Uh, lots to get into today as uh, we've already made a pact before the show started that we will never get on a submarine together. So you don't have to worry about that. Those those people are dead now, right? They've got to be dead. They ran out of air. I, I think that they technically are supposed to still have oxygen are left, they? but I think it's like it's a few they're hours. in the waning hours of uh, and there's no demise. way to get them. There's no way to to like surely they've like them. searched like the Titanic to make sure like. That the driver just didn't go like, hey, I bet I can fit through here, and he just got stuck, right? I d- just no, I don't, I don't think so. I think it was just a malfunction. I think the with driver, the but, but the driver's an idiot. I don't know if you saw like the uh, sixty minutes story they did I on saw like a what year and a half ago. Looked like when they put it together, like yeah, how they screw, they turn the screws and it bolt looked it like together. it was basically put together for like a home project. Well, and the steering is like a joystick. It's, it's off like brand. a uh, off brand Xbox controller, yeah. basically. It, the whole thing is just it's a nightmare scenario. It really is. And people paid a quarter of a million dollars to go into that nightmare. Yeah. On the 60 minutes uh, story, they got lost for two hours. Like the guy didn't know where they were. (laughs) Like, and they still got on this thing. Yeah, that sounds it's insane. And the stepson went to Blink One Eighty Two to cope. That was the best part. Which is kind of a power move. It was only a stepdad, though. He's the he's the. I saw somebody point this out on Twitter that like he, it is. He had to know if he was in the will or not, though. Well, it's yeah, exactly. Like it's notable that his mom was a gold digger that found this billionaire to marry her. And Obviously an idiot. He's just trying to be. He's playing. He's trying to play his role. Yeah. All I know is I will not be going on a submarine while I'm in Jamaica next week. Yeah, that would not be advisable. Cross that off the list. You'll just be in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. They say that it's just a tropical storm, but you know things can change overnight. I could go back to a hurricane really fast. Well, maybe I won't come back. Maybe I'll just be there forever. Save us a lot of money if you. That <laughs> Anyway, uh, we've had some commitments uh, yesterday. By the way, welcome, Josh. Welcome to the program. 
uh, you know, it, it's it's my perfect time to come in. We start talking recruiting. We were being very topical, and we all know that is absolutely not my wheelhouse. Well, Bob's not here to talk you, about no, kids. No, you had some thoughts before we started. You said something to the effect of they kind of deserve this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was. It's it's amazing when Eddie can just so perfectly put it in a couple of words. Exactly my thoughts. So That's that right. was. Uh, but yeah, that 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 whole thing. Like I can't. We we were talking before. Like I can't think of a lot of more just mind bending ways to die. Like I, that that's got to just be a mental toll that is hard to quantify. Well, it's kind of become that thing too. Like I think Eddie first noticed it out of all of us and put something on the board along with uh, certain bowling coaches. Um, one of the greatest stories in the history of the Lufkin uh, <laughs> Daily County News or whatever. That, that, that the, headline the bowling story. All time. Yeah, the, the headline, from the well, headline to the quote. Well, you got to say exactly what this story. is. Don't bury the lead here. The, I guess, former assistant of the uh, Stephen F. Austin women's bowling team uh, is alleged, and I guess now it's come out that he had an affair with one of the players, which is just kind of fun to begin with and then he yeah. gave some legendary quotes about how this kid, isn't right? against the law when he's married it's to the head ethics. coach yeah and yeah the husband of the head coach yeah that's a little bit of a footnote there and they're the, they're the best bowling team in the country yeah they win, they, won, they win national titles they win national titles so like you can't argue against the Stephen guys. f austin is a bowling superpower Women's, yeah. This would be like if Kirby Smart's wife joined the Georgia's coaching staff and then started dating Stetson Bennett. And we don't know that to be not true either. So maybe she <laughs> is. They'd be more age appropriate than this situation, I'm sure. Because he's like 30, Stetson Bennett. I'm just guessing That's, that oh, yeah, the yeah. women's roster for the Stephen F. Austin bowling team, I'm. I just, I, I guess I need to take a look at the roster to see what we're working with, but it doesn't seem like that would be fit with uh, a bunch of attractives, you know? I've seen some bowling on television. It's not all unattractive women. I'm not going to comment on this. <laughs> <laughs> but does the coach punish the player? Does she, like, you know, not put her in the rotation now? Like uh, She's got to be in the portal. She's, by yeah, now. she's in the portal as well. <laughs> Uh, I would, if I were the coach, I would go into the portal. I would get the hell out. I would never want to show my face to that team again. My favorite part of that story, well, A, is the reporter that, like you guys mentioned, you know he was writing like Chamber of Commerce stories the day before, and he starts getting those quotes, and he's like, holy shit, I get to write this thing. But secondarily is just the the idea that the husband seemed like even though he was dragging his wife's name through the mud, putting in a terrible embarrassment on not only their marriage, but his their work, but like was still like, but she didn't treat me with enough respect. <laughs> like, yeah. dude, stop. There's some animosity. so much worse. There's some animosity in the home. The, the quote about... That was our marriage There's, not, there's it, not a law through saying I'm going to go to jail for Unless this. you treat me with disrespect. That's right. Unless you can't make it to the 10th frame. <laughs> I love the story. All right. Uh, we are here. Uh, we've had uh, all kinds of uh, craziness in the office. George, I have to keep him from uh, putting together arcade games right now. We've, we've got the arcade games. It's going to be kind of part set, part just kind of a way to relax. But what do we get? We got uh, NBA Jam. We got uh, Galaga slash uh, Ms. Pac-Man. 
which I will be the best in the office at Galaga. That is, there's I'm, no I'm chance really in good. hell. There's no chance in hell. <laughs> uh, I've been playing that way longer than you. And I'm then I g- think we got uh, Star Wars. Like it that has one looks all the fun. Star Wars games. It's very tall, apparently. It's a bunch. And the, here's the thing: FedEx they suck. FedEx is the worst company that has ever existed. We finally we have new carpet. We have to tear everything apart to uh, put in new carpet uh, this next week. So I don't know that. You, here's the thing: the YouTube videos are very popular, but they're also uh, very not popular. Like people. And, and Josh, like, we've talked about this a lot, and I've talked about this with the guys. Like, we're trying to reach a lot of people that consume media in different ways. And I think what we've learned on the boards is people only – some people only have one way that they consume media, and they get very angry when we diversify our media offerings. We've had people mad about me posting a link to Woke or The Scoop and stuff, and I'm like – I get that it's different. And, and, Carrie, you and I talked about this when it happened. Like, I knew this was going to come up a little bit. But it's like, it's the same as a normal story. You just click the link and it's there. Right, like, yeah. it doesn't, I get that it's one more step, but we're talking about clicking your finger here, right? Like, that, that we, we, can, we can overcome this mountain. Um, but I just with, don't with know. The like, other stuff, I don't know I, if you're on the internet, how you're not connected to Twitter and you like sports. Like, how are you not connected to Twitter? How do you not have a... Like, I saw the thread about people complaining that Sam Spiegelman put up a link to a tweet with some news that then linked to a story, which I get it. It's kind of funny to complain about that. But at the same time, like, all of us, if we see that, it's not a big deal. It's just... It's kind of like... I've always said this to everybody. Like, make something a part of your life until it's normal. Like, when you post a story, post a tweet linking the story. And and then and then I'll send out a newsletter like we had breaking news like we had this week with Kevin Sperry. Uh, it's like it went out on so many channels, but it initially starts as a story on the site. And we all worked our asses off to get that story on the site. But then we put a tweet out. Then we send out a newsletter. Uh, we put it on Facebook. Like it's just the the way that media works now is you have to put it in so many different areas because everybody consumes media differently. Yeah, and you, and you don't want to miss that window. You don't want that person that, that would have got it on YouTube or would have got it within the podcast, which obviously we've got to talk about the Kevin Sperry thing because we haven't done that within the pod boundaries. I mean, we have to acknowledge that too. But it, it is, it, it's eye-opening for me too, Carrie, like how different people have very different ways about it. Now, I will say some of our members have found workarounds for the YouTube where they can just listen to the audio, and that's cool. Man, if that's, if that's what does it, I think we still get credit for that being a play. Like, I think that all – I think it all still works as a – I don't know if it's a view. I don't know how exactly that would – And to be honest, would, we don't, if we, even if we don't, it's fine. I mean, we want you to consume yeah, our 100%. stuff the way that it's consumed. And, and like, your yeah. subscription, uh, it may not – you know – it, everything we do may not be behind a paywall, but you just have to realize, like, you pay us 10 bucks a month, we're going to put content out there that you will enjoy. Uh, and I'm not saying it's a donation, but essentially, I think we have, you know, thousands and thousands of people that are okay with that. Like, we rarely get anyone that says, how, why is it that I, pay? I mean, it happens, trust me. How is it I pay $10 a month and I can get, you know, other people can get your stuff on YouTube? Like, it's just the way it works, man. You want us to stay in business. You want us to keep producing content. You want us to break, you know, break news and stories and hire people like George Stoya. Uh, like, it just all goes hand in hand. 
A hundred percent. And that's something I don't think people think about when they say, the people that do come and say, well, why did you put that on YouTube? Anybody can watch that. Or why do you guys do the podcast? Why do you put Rising information star, in there? George the podcast was a big part of why we could get The Office. The Office is a big part of why we can start to do all this new live video stuff and all the stuff that we want to do through YouTube. And then through that, you make more money. Okay, and then we can hire. Again, it's part of it is why we can hire someone like George. And we can, you know, we can keep adding features. We can keep adding writers. Like We can become a bigger and better site by spreading out our reach and getting into as many things as we possibly can. I also just, I don't, if I can chime in here, mm-hmm. I don't know if people realize how much money you can make on YouTube. I mean, that's like, everybody's doing that now is putting their podcasts I mean, and shows children on are millionaires I mean, that do toy reviews ridiculous. on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Mr. Guys, Beast is worth a billion dollars. I mean, more than a billion dollars. My girls come to me and want to start a YouTube show, and I'm like, A, yes. B, <laughs> let's come up with a format. And they've not come up with a format I'm happy with yet, but we are, we are workshopping it so that I can live off of their, you know, pre, pre-pubescent stardom. You're raising a couple of cavenders is what you're saying. Yes, that that's what we're going for. Josh here. turning yeah. into Baby Gronk's dad would be an amazing <laughs> <laughs> full circle uh, story. All those gymnastics that you know you spent last night doing—I mean, get that stuff up on YouTube tastefully. Exa- like my my girls are going to be like Baby Livy, like I guess, Libby like because they're both gymnasts. I mean, we're we're going for the Dunn route, so it's going to be perfect. Hey, man, she showed up to Omaha, and uh, LSU's all of a sudden started winning. I I, I don't is she think in it's Omaha. A Libby Dunn's in Omaha. Yeah, oh yeah. You see the photo of her getting the old uh, guy with yeah, the autograph. accosted <laughs> by the old guy. Yeah. Uh, I would that, like to hope that looks that, completely normal. I would hope um, that that is, and I'm a, sure. Uh, like I'm just needed. I need an autograph for my grandson. I I hope that's what it is. That's another thing. Like I, you know, there's a thread on the board right now about uh like hottest softball players, and like people have like reported this thread like to us, and I'm just like, what do you want me to do? Like if 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 a like in this age of name image likeness, like Livy Duns of the world are out there. Like all these softball players are going to be posting pictures of themselves in bikinis. Like that's what young women do now it's like do you want me to like do you want to just ignore that it's just like i it's you know it's not my thing i'm not going and searching that out and i'm sure they're you know you can call those guys creepy that are on that you know that post that are you know oogling those girls or whatever but like it's not illegal like i don't know what your problem is with it like i don't even click on those girls do that not the thread like the reporting of the thread i don't even click on it i don't Really care. <laughs> I, that seems on brand for you. And then I have to deal with it. The, <laughs> Eddie, it doesn't just go away. Like, it still has to be addressed. And it'll be like a week later. I'm like, shit, I didn't see this. So I, I will deal with that. But, uh, yeah, that is, I, I again, like, if, if these girls, like, if this was something where, like, guys are, like, creeping in the bushes and, like, taking pictures, okay, cool, yeah, needs to be removed. They're putting it on their Instagram for the entire world to see. Like, this isn't some secret. Yeah, they're not, like, judging people for looking at it. They're putting it out there for people to look at. And exactly. They're, and they're saying, you know what, if this gets me some money or an endorsement or free swimsuits or whatever, they're ha- they're fine with it. You, sh- you need to be fine with it. Anyway, that's a rant I didn't expect to get into. Um, so, yeah. Let's, let's just debut the new uh, segment then. 
as part of Pride Month, we're going to do the t- 10 hottest <laughs> football <laughs> players. <laughs> 10 hottest football players, are oh, yes. you? I thought you were about to segue into the uh, Enjoy Vision. Uh, well, I could see them. Yeah, I know great, that. Great vision. Well, this, yeah. I could this, see them. This looking at Instagram segment was brought to you by uh, Enjoy Vision. I'm sure that they're happy about uh, that. <laughs> look, they, they're, I'm telling you this. Enjoy Vision would be happy to, I think, would be happy to uh, sponsor you know, a softball player in their swimsuit. I mean, say, look at me. I, and if they got money Which for softball it, player is this? I don't know who. I mean, Alex Duraco is gone, so I think the hottest one is is no longer with us. Well, she's not now. Dead. We, she's now just, you've crossed the line. Yeah, now I've crossed the line. Uh, Davis Bevel's going to come for my ass now. Uh, anyway, no, uh, it's the Enjoy Pause. Vision <laughs> uh, look ahead, uh, and uh, Eddie Radosevich, you can scan Instagram. And look at hot girls all you want because you have perfect vision. That's right. I do have perfect vision now. And that's because of Enjoy Vision, which is the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City. And it's not even close. Combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care, which was life-changing for me. Now, this is what you need to do. You need to go to enjoywithme.com. That is the letter N-J-O-Y withme.com. Use the promo code U40 for $400 off LASIK. That is enjoywithme.com. Enjoy vision. This is where you lace it. Uh, okay, so we've had a lot of stuff happen this week. We, we mentioned the Kevin Sperry stuff. Um, that was a fun day around the office. Then you have two commitments last night. But uh, I don't know where, Josh, let's start with, with this question maybe. Like, where is Oklahoma? I know everybody was freaking, you know, as usual, because you didn't have 50 commitments coming out of Champion Barbecue. But uh, is OU on the verge of making their big recruiting run now? And that has nothing to do with Kevin Sperry, but, you know, just the two commitments yeah. yesterday. It, it very much feels like it. And I will say, before I get into it, I was listening to a national guy talking today about, um, you know, recruiting, and he was talking about the way people react to summertime commitments. Like, oh, that guy's going to decommit. Oh, you know, and, and it's usually the school's rival. Like, Florida's on a big run right now, and I'm sure Georgia fans are like, oh, summer commitments don't mean anything, yada, yada, yada. By and large, most summer guys stick. But what's funny to me is I think about OU fans, and I very rarely think of them saying, oh, these Texas commitments don't matter, blah, blah, blah. It's much more Oklahoma fans, like, negging on themselves. Like, even with two commitments this week and the clear signs that they are trending up in a big way with a lot of big-time guys, there's still this, like, waiting for the shoe to drop feeling. And I, I... I don't understand it. I feel like it's a little, not singular to Oklahoma, but it is very pronounced sometimes, though, you fans. So maybe a little intro, you know, a little self-reflection before, uh, you know, before you take in what I'm about to say. But the rest of it, yeah. I mean, you start off with the two commitments yesterday at 6 o'clock and 6.01. James Nesta goes at 6. Dozie as a comma goes at 6.01. Um, Nesta is the big linebacker from North Carolina. Oklahoma offered him. I believe on early May. I mean, it really hasn't been heavily involved for that long, but I know Ted Roof saw the tape, liked him. Uh, Miguel Chavis went out to North Carolina, had a look at him, and they offered him. And uh, this is a guy goes about 6'5", 205, um, very natural edge rusher. Uh, you know, talking to him uh, for the story that we ran, he talked about just being at his most comfortable, kind of coming off the edge, turning the corner, and that shows up on tape. But um, he's absolutely a guy that's super interesting. And, uh, you know, with Dozier as a comma, 
you know, we were there at camp the day he got offered, and, you know, we got plenty of video of him and watching him. But what I thought was really interesting is that relationship that's there between he and Emmett Jones, because I know basically the day before Emmett Jones got in contact with him and said, hey, you know, come up to camp. We want to see you. And Dozy comes up and earns his offer. Uh, had an offer from Tech where his brother Eric played. Um, and I, I think almost from the moment that offer happened, it was almost certainly going to be Oklahoma. Because, guys, he's still going through his official visit. Like, that hasn't, I, I think, actually maybe just wrapping up or something like that. But he, um, he took a little while, had a little delay getting to campus. So he committed while still, you know, still going through his visit. So I think he knew that was going to happen. And he's a big, long receiver that brings a lot to the table. I, I, I like him as kind of, again, one of those guys we talked about that Emmett Jones has a good track record with. And for people that don't remember, his brother was really good. I mean, like, I, I thought he was one of the best tech receivers in the last five years, easily. He was a once or twice all Big 12 guy, wasn't he? I know he, I'm almost certain he was once, but I think he might have been on two. I want to say that yeah, maybe first, he had like first team in 2020 and second team in 2021. Touchdowns in Norman when they played here. But I mean, I, he, I, I just remember I mean, him just destroying OU secondary, which wasn't common to just him, but that's a pretty yeah. long list. Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, you know, you're talking about a, his brother averaged almost 16 yards a catch for his career at Texas Tech. I mean, he, good player. And and he comes in at, like, 6'1 and some change and, like, 209 at the NFL Combine. Eddie, you, you were there with him that day. I'd say Dozy 6'3 and some yeah. change and yeah, if anything, probably. If, if you want to hit him for anything, it's he's probably still a little, I don't want to use the word frail, light as far as mm-hmm. just uh-huh. what he could end up being. But the frame, I mean – he looks like somebody that he will be able to carry that weight when he does uh, eventually, you know, get bigger, obviously going into his senior year. And I think that, uh, you know, just watching him catch balls with uh, Kevin Sperry up at camp, he, very natural uh, just as far as the way that he receives the football. I, I think that was one of the things, you know, on that. Because I think we were standing there, Josh, when he did that, uh, you know, they were doing the basically the long, you run long and you're just catching balls over your shoulder. It was mm-hmm. very natural. I, it stuck out to me that he was such a big body and him catching the football that easily. That, and I would say the one that stood out to me, Eddie, is when they were kind of throwing the ball. I wouldn't call it a back shoulder because it's yeah. a leaping catch, but when they're trying to show the guys, kind of show their body control, that kind of stuff, yeah, that was real easy for him. Like there, There's a lot of very smooth um, movement to his game is, is the way I would say that. Um Kind of almost reminds me of like a, um, I don't know, like maybe like a bigger Jazz Reynolds. Like if I if I'm okay. trying to think of a good way to say that, I know that's not gonna. Everybody loves my comparisons, I know, because they're not a, every every guy's not a first round pick that I'm talking about. But I just mean from that kind of easy burst and um, kind of big long guy that can make a lot of catches outside of his body and those sort of things. So I, I like Dozy. I think this is interesting because. Oklahoma is still heavily involved with a couple of other big-time receivers, very different types of players. Uh, we, can, we can get into one of them, uh, Terry Bussey and the Champu Barbecue and his visit. First off, um, let's, let's talk about James Nesta, kind of what OU has there sure. uh, in that commitment from yesterday. Yeah, You know, like I said, I talked about it a little while ago, but, I mean, he is a guy um, – I, I think right – 
my understanding is they like him as a micro will. Uh, they even mentioned, you know, and again, it's almost a birthright. I think David Stone has been mentioned with a cheetah, but they've talked to James Nesta about playing that position as well. So I th- there's some versatility to his game. Um, and, and we also have to give some credit uh, to Skip Johnson and his bunch. Obviously, uh, Nesta is a baseball player, plans to do that in Oklahoma. And he talked about it in the story that I, I referenced earlier, was saying that OU was the first school he'd been to that he really believed that they were going to find a way for him to play baseball. Like that, there was a clear plan in place, almost hourly. Uh, this is what you'll do, you know, during spring football. This is what you'll do during, you know, uh, baseball workouts while football's going. You know, that that kind of stuff. So there was just a clear itemization of what he had to do. And you know, Skip Johnson and his staff was, you know, have the credibility of saying. This is what we did with Kyler Murray, and it worked out pretty well for everybody. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think that that just the implementation or the presentation of what they have in place as far as uh, what they want these guys to do, what will be asked of them, just really having a blueprint for what it's going to be like in tackling two sports because you don't see it too often anymore. And I do think that it's going to be interesting to see you know, how that just, I, I guess, goes over in a way with uh, somebody like Taylor Tatum, who we'll talk about, the number one running back in the country, who is an exceptional baseball player as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited, though. I mean, the guys, I want to see him pitch. 6'5", 205. He looks like a uh, – I was just watching some perfect game videos last night of him uh, pitching at perfect game showcases and stuff, and he looks like somebody that definitely has a presence out there on the mound. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that's something that we kind of hit on – Right the what? Right-hander? Yeah, right-hander. He's a big old boy. He brings it. Uh, something that, you know, I think is certainly going to start coming to the forefront, too, is, uh, you know, everybody's talked about SEC recruiting on the football side of things. Uh, you know, just look at three of the four teams that are left in the uh, NCAA tournament with uh, LSU and Florida. It, Florida, I mean, uh, the SEC is obviously a very strong baseball conference, and I think that, you know, that's going to be something that, they have on the table as well when you start talking about recruiting somebody is, hey, I mean, you're not just going to be playing SEC football. You're going to be playing SEC baseball. So uh, it will be interesting to see how all that kind of comes together uh, over the next couple of years. All right. Well, uh, you, you guys have danced around him a little bit, but, uh, you know, news on Tatum is that, you know, down to uh, Oklahoma and USC. Uh, I know you guys were kind of talking about some things before the pod started just about, you know, maybe there's some things coming out of USC that they're a little worried about where things stand. Yeah, you're you're hearing stuff like it's very USC was responsible for the whole. Or I'm sorry, Lincoln Riley and and his staff were the ones that were responsible for all that scheduling for Kyler Murray, and they made it work. And I, I think there is something to that, but the fact that USC clearly wants it out there and is presenting it and trying to make, you know, like like Skip Johnson didn't have anything to do with it. It was just Lincoln Riley's show. It's kind of like, mm, that feels like you're a little worried about what's happening here. Like, it feels like maybe there's some writing on the wall. And, guys, it's interesting now because it feels like things that we've been talking about for a month are starting to come to play here a little bit. The baseball side of this being a much bigger deal than I think a lot of people realize. Now everybody's starting to talk about the baseball thing. Secondarily, he talked, um, uh, and I real believe quick, it was quick, with... Real uh, quick on that. Oh, like, yeah. Eddie, 
I mean, you were cover you cover baseball, but yeah, like, like Kyler was never a starter, right? When when yeah, he was starting. Yeah, he was started. he starting when yeah. he played baseball? Yeah, and that 2019 team could have been really good, but they went to or 20 yeah 19. They went to the Tallahassee Regional, but Kyler and Steel Walker were out. Yeah, so they you know kind of lost two power bats. But yeah, I mean, he started in left field. I I don't know off the top of my head how many games he started, but he was around there quite a bit. I, I do. Well, think I remember that, like, but I, I guess I'm thinking about like that weekend when he went to Austin or whatever. Um, well, the, during the, spring practice or something. It like was that. it was spring game, and they were playing Texas. So he played in the spring game, and they flew him back and forth. It right? was in Norman. It was in Norman. Okay. It was in Norman. Okay, okay. But I mean, he was still doing. He did. He played in the spring game, and then went over and played uh, the baseball game that night. Okay. And I think he might have just DH'd in that game, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about ultimately who's responsible, it's the baseball coach that has to allow for that to happen. Like, yeah. And, and to I, not be butthurt, you know, that you're not at practice as much sure, as the other guys. Sure, because when spring ball hits, you're probably going to be at football. Yeah. Like, and especially if you're the starting quarterback. Uh, it will be interesting. to, And I know that Reggie Willits has played a big role, uh, even though he wasn't necessarily around with Kyler. Uh, he's played a big role as far as presenting what they want. Ryan Gaines, the uh, director of baseball ops, was around and very close to Kyler. Mm-hmm. They worked uh, kind of hand-in-hand in making a schedule that would work for him. And, you know, it, it's a big ask for somebody to play two sports that seemingly go on at the same time, and especially with fall baseball. You're not going to be around very much. Yeah. You just aren't. Kyler played 27 games in 2017 and 51 games in 2018. 2018. So it was 2018. 2018 played 51. So it would have been, yeah, it would have been spring of 2018 when he did that with uh, playing in the spring game and then going over and playing the three game series against uh, Texas. But he was, I'm just trying to get this straight. He was, was he drafted the year before he started as a quarter? That summer. He he was drafted that summer before. And then he He started drafted in May or June of 2018. Yeah. Played the twenty. Because I remember being at the season. caravan. That was like Bob Stoops' last caravan, I mm-hmm. think, when he was drafted. Uh, no, no, Lincoln, was, Lincoln would have already taken over. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I don't know why that's in my head. I guess that was the golf national championship. I'm thinking of. It was. That yeah. was 100 percent up in Tulsa. Yeah, at the Schusterman Center, we watched it with Bob in that uh, conference room. Yeah, he and Mike Halk were sitting, which there was on it, the phone. even stranger because I believe that was on like a Monday or a Tuesday, and then Bob would re- you know quote unquote retire on Friday. Yeah, it was like that week. Now, Mario Williams never played baseball for OU, right? Uh, no, he went through fall workouts, I believe, That's right. but never oh, actually shit. played. A tree just fell over at my house. Oh, really? Well, call Bob. He can probably get over there and cut it on, cut it down. I have to go. <laughs> All right. I'm not kidding. It's falling over. Oh, no. From the wind, like just now? We had some storms just blow through Norman. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Really? hold holy crap i guess it probably got rickety during saturday night and then that initial gust coming through today probably did it in well uh here's the thing you're gonna finish the pod and and hit stop and then i'll come back and get it as long as we're recording it's recording okay all right, we All can right. do that. There you go. Well, thanks for joining us, Carrie. <laughs> back to our show. God, it's sorry, Carrie. The, the, you thought you got to join us. I'm joining Bob in the My Tree Fell Over Club. <laughs> so he just got his. Oh, shit, That's man. a massive tree. 
All right, guys. Uh, I'll let, turn it over to you guys. All right. Best of luck. Yeah. So, like, the baseball stuff is really interesting with James, ne- James Nesta. Uh, you know, obviously, Josh, do you want to just kind of segue this into Taylor Tatum, which we were kind of hinting at, obviously talking about uh, just as far as, you know, he's the number one running back in the country. You're starting to, like, if there's one big, uh, I guess, storyline that's coming out of the champion weekend, it kind of is what DeMarco Murray is doing, is it not? When you throw in the visit with Taylor Tatum, when you throw in Caden Durham and the, the talk that's coming out of, uh, Duncanville now with uh, the star running back. And then obviously Xavier Robinson, who was on his official visit last week during the camp. Guys, you talked six weeks ago. That running back situation looked concerning. And it's, it's crazy the ebbs and flows of it because probably January, February, you're like, holy cow, Oklahoma's going to have their pick. It's going to be Caden Durham, Stacey Gage, Taylor Tatum. Like, it's going to be one of these, you know, two of these guys. It's going to be incredible. And then, you know, James Peoples is part of that. James Peoples goes to Ohio State. Uh, Things start to fall apart with Stacey Gage. We all know now that that really was more of an OU uh, decision, the way they decided to move with that. And it felt like OU was kind of letting things slip with Xavier Robinson. You know, Eddie, even that day we were there, I was kind of up in the air on yeah. how I felt about that. It just kind of felt like, oh, maybe maybe this works. Maybe it doesn't. I, I just wasn't sure. But to see what DeMarco is possibly putting together in this running back room, I, guys, I mean, Durham and um, Tatum are two of the top three running backs in the state of Texas that if Oklahoma can close this deal are not going to Texas, A&M, LSU, any of the other traditional powers that recruit that area of Texas, or, you know, Texas in general. Um, and then you throw in Xavier Robinson, who I, <laughs> I had somebody uh, who saw him at uh, like a practice or a scrimmage the other day and sent me a picture of him and was like, who's going to tackle this guy? Who wants to get in his way? And you're like, that's a coach that knows that players are not going to want to be part of that. So it is really impressive. And I mean, Taylor... Durham, I've already put in a prediction for him. I think Oklahoma's in great shape there. Uh, he's already sounds like he has postponed his LSU visit that he was supposed to take this weekend. I know our guy at the uh, at our LSU site, Billy Embody, has reported that. Apparently, it's being pushed back into the season. There's a part of me that thinks that's just wishful thinking from LSU, hoping that that they can kind of regain some momentum. But it sounds like Oklahoma pretty much all but closed the door last weekend. I, I think they did an outstanding job with him. Taylor Tatum, uh, guys, I, I really thought OU was in great shape, and then he took that USC official, and it was like, oh, oh no, it's, it might be all USC. This might be a really tough hill for Oklahoma to climb. But, man, they did an outstanding job. Really, again, like we talked about with Nesta, did a great job explaining to him how baseball could be part of his schedule, how they could make that all work with, with class, with football practices, with spring ball and baseball, like all the – all the minutia that they have to go through. And, you know, I know, Eddie, you mentioned Ryan Gaines being a big part of that. Um, but also, I mean, and I've said it a few times, and I, I don't want to take credit away from DeMarco. He clearly did a great job as well, has really bonded with um, Tatum's family. And, I, I, you know, I talked about that earlier, is that's the thing that a lot of people weren't talking about because it was something mentioned to me a couple of times a month ago, and then I heard it again during one of OU's camp sessions was, you know, if 
if this was just the parents' decision, he would have committed to Oklahoma two months ago. Sure. So I think the fact that they're now getting Taylor moving in that direction is is really crucial. Okay, summer's here. It's hot outside. Uh, you got a lot of stuff going on. I have a tree falling in my yard uh, right now. And sometimes you don't have time to get dinner, to make dinner, and it's just easiest to do it at home. And that's why you want to check out PrimeShrimp.com. P-R-I-M-E Shrimp.com. Uh, great selection of shrimp for you. Uh, it's restaurant quality. It's easy. You just put it in boiling water. In less than 10 minutes, you got a restaurant quality meal right there at home. So all you got to do is throw that bag away. There's really no muss, no fuss. Uh, easy to do. Go check them out. Use our promo code U40, and you'll get 25% off your order of $50 or more, and that allows you to get a bunch of different kinds. You can get the New Orleans barbecue. You can get the uh, French Quarter Alfredo. Uh, one of my personal favorites, the uh, lemon and cracked pepper, uh, cracked black pepper uh, combination. That is really good as well. Uh, or you get the Cajun style, Louisiana shrimp boil, uh, the signature seasoning, all to choose from. And you can go check it out and you get $50 or more. You'll get 25% off that order using the promo code U40. So go check out our good friends at primeshrimp.com. Great sponsor of the podcast. Been with us for a long, long time. Uh, and support those guys for making this possible. And uh, check them out at primeshrimp.com. Well, and I know there's been a lot of talk to Josh about, you know, taking three running backs and, and what that means for the class. But it seems like all three kind of bring something different to the table. I, I think you compared uh, Taylor to, I think, Joe Mixon Light, I think is what you said in board chat. You've got mm -hmm. Durham, who's obviously a speedster type guy. And then Xavier Robinson, he looks like an H-back to me. So it's like they, yeah, they kind of all three bring something different. It, as far as Robinson goes, is that more of a H-back type role yeah. than saying you're a running back. It would be interesting to know if there is some aspect of that and kind of the inner workings of, of, you know, Jeff Levy's mind. Like he mm -hmm. sees like, Oh, we could, we could do some really interesting stuff with Xavier Robinson. I'm sure that is not part of the recruiting pitch. Yeah. Um, because you know that's what Robinson wants to do, and he wants sure. to be a running back. And obviously, with the success he's had, he has every right to want to do that. Um, but again, I think it's a it's understanding that these three guys, as talented as they are, you're probably going to lose one of them in a year or two. Just the portal being what it is, carries being you know as tough to come by as they are in a backfield that's still going to have Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk, and you know. Some of the uh, and a guy like Dalen Smothers that I think is tremendously talented. Like you're going to lose some of these guys, so sure. take one or two extra that that you're not sure you need now that are going to come around. And again, I think in almost any scenario you can find a good complement between the two backs. I mean, whether it's you know kind of the old cliche thunder and lightning with with Durham and Robinson, like that's easy to write. But Tatum, you know, George, I've kind of come to that mixing thing here lately, but. Tatum as a receiver and his ability in the open field, but being a big, sturdy guy like he is, like that, there's some comp there. And I, I'm not saying he's Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's one of the more unique running backs I've ever covered. But I, I think there is a lot there that he could be used in some similar ways. As far as I mean, I get there's just so many guys to get into from over the weekend. Uh -huh. And the, it seems like, and obviously so, I always chuckle when, you know, Everybody wants the news about was it a good visit? Was it a bad visit? It they're usually all pretty good. I mean, these guys are going to new experiences for the first time. There's going to be some type of 
positive that comes away from it uh, and and barely any negatives unless you know somebody gets in trouble while on campus and that usually doesn't happen uh which which way do you want to go do you want to stay on the offensive side of the ball because we could talk about terry bussey or we could go to the defensive side of the ball just as easily I, I think maybe you just wrap the offensive guys because I know what everybody wants to get to and we'll save that carrot to closer to the end. We'll taunt everybody a little bit. But, I mean, you got a few offensive linemen to go over. Obviously, Samaj Jones, the quarterback, being there. Sure. And, um, you know, Terry Bussey is obviously huge news as well. You know, Samaj Jones is really interesting because we haven't talked about him a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of buzz about him coming in, and it's probably because Oklahoma already has a 2024 you know, quote unquote, the quarterback in Michael Hawkins, but I, it we could very easily see Samaj Jones be a part of this class, correct? Yes, I, that honestly is my expectation. Um, I know he went to West Virginia the week before Oklahoma, and apparently that visit went very, very well. I think it's a question for him of do I go to West Virginia that's clearly on shaky ground, but I'm going to be the guy. I mean, like, I, I'm going to be a big deal in that class. They're going to try to build that class around me. I'll be the focal point. Or do I go to Oklahoma that has all this track record of quarterback, is moving to the SEC, but they already have a guy in my class. They've got a five-star of the year in front of me. They've got a big-time guy already committed behind me. Like, how does he look at that? But my understanding is very much, and again, it's, it's something that I think a lot of fans maybe wouldn't look at it this way but when you talk to these guys they're competitors man he's like i'm gonna go in and win the job like that that, that is my read on how he sees it like i'm gonna go beat michael hawkins i'm gonna go beat jackson arnold like that's the way he looks at it and i i you know oklahoma's not stupid they're gonna give him every opportunity to do so and prove himself right but um you know i i think that will i think that's gonna go oklahoma's way i have not put in a forecast yet because i'm not that confident about it but I do think there's a I would say a better than even money chance that Oklahoma is the his eventual choice the quarterback situation is going to be fascinating to watch over the next few years because obviously you have Jackson Arnold waiting Kevin Sperry now is in Oklahoma and he seems very locked in uh with OU and then you've got these two quarterbacks in the 2024 class it's I don't I mean obviously not all these guys are going to end up staying at OU I mean Samaj Jones may not even end up at OU but um it's going to be, I mean, they, Jeff Levy has totally restocked that, that room considering where it was a year ago. It's, it's pretty crazy to think about. I think it's also kind of notable too, just how far, I don't want to say his reach goes because obviously I think everybody around here knows what the previous uh, quarterback guru, what he was known for a very, very good quarterbacks coach. I think it also speaks to just how damn good and how respected Jeff Levy is in a sense. Well, and the elephant in the room is what if Jeff Lebby leaves for a head coaching job sure. in the next year? Sure. What, what do these quarterbacks end up doing? And Josh, I don't know if you have any insight on that, but that's kind of in my head is like, well, if, if OU has the type of season that we think they might have this year or next year, you know, and Jeff Lebby leaves and say 2024, 2025, you have to wonder what does happen to that quarterback room, I guess. Oh, you would have to. Um, I, I think – you know, I, I think the first instinct is, well, what's happening with Jackson Arnold? I think at that point, Jackson Arnold is knowing, you know, no, like if it's next year or if it's two years, he either is the expected starter or he is the starter. And I, it's pretty unlikely you'd walk away from a situation like that, especially at that point, Arnold's had time to build up relationships with a bunch of other guys. But as far as the recruits, 
Michael Hawkins, I mean, I feel like his connection with Oklahoma is largely about Oklahoma. I mean, don't get me wrong. He and Levy are, are close, and, and Hawk and Levy, uh, you know, Hawk being his father, uh, senior, he, you know, he and Levy played together. Like, so th- there is a long-lasting relationship there for sure. But I, I feel like that would be able to weather the storm. Samaj is a guy that I wonder a little bit about. Like, would he feel differently? Um, because he has no – clear tie to Oklahoma there, there's no obvious reason that OU should be the place for him but it would obviously depend on where Lebby goes I mean if he goes to I don't know just throwing out an idea Minnesota is that going to be any more appealing than learning a new offensive coordinator and going to the SEC and playing for Oklahoma I don't know um and then with Sperry the kids moving to Oklahoma <laughs> like that yeah. would be real hard for me to be like okay and now he's moving to Minnesota to go play, you know, so his family could be close to Jeff Levy and uh, and the Gophers. I I, I don't know. Like th- that's a little tough for me to believe, and I think that's it, you never know. I mean, quarterback recruiting is just chaotic in general. But Samaj would be the one that would make the most sense to me. Like maybe he looks around a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's years away, and also sure. I mean, OU has shown that they don't want to lose Jeff Levy. So there's a very good chance Jeff Levy's here for the next several years. I would, if, you know, obviously who knows what's going to happen in the way that the landscape of college football changes overnight, almost uh, daily, who knows what's going to happen out there. But I, I would be surprised if Jeff Levy at least didn't, God, I hate even speculating on this, but like got through Jackson Arnold's era. Whatever yeah. that may be, however long that It'd be, is. It would have to be a heck of a job to leave. Yeah. And I think that, you know, rightfully so, they're going to have to uh, improve offensively. I, you know, that's, that's another thing. But I do think that Jeff Levy is in line to be a head coach at some point in the next, you know, I don't want to say decade. That seems like a long time. Next five years, whatever. Yeah, I would say f- if within five years, he's probably a head coach somewhere. Sure. That kind of, uh, I guess, leads us into uh, Terry Bussey. I know that there's been a lot of talk about him. Uh, the athlete number one in uh, the class, I, I believe, isn't he? It, it's quite interesting, just kind of, he, that was one of those quotes that came out, and I know On3 put out one of the uh, graphics with it. Uh, you know, I think that obviously we kind of talked, we hinted at it, I believe, in the uh, the YouTube uh, at last week, at the end of the week, uh, when the Kevin Sperry stuff broke. But it's rather telling, it's, it's rather positive news on that front it really is and and terry's a guy um i've been talking to him for quite a while one of our longtime board members guy named max sooner has been telling me you know he lives out in the east texas area and has been telling me about this kid since he was like a freshman and so i have just kind of kept closer tabs on him than i would somebody that didn't have an ou offer and obviously ou offered him pretty early on because he's a special talent but um a guy that has taken temps in a little school, you know, like I said, just out in East Texas, to I believe back-to-back state semifinals, and I mean that's a good and talented team. But with Terry Bussey, I mean, without him, they're probably a second-round team. I mean, they're they're good, but he is he makes them a legit state championship, you know, contender every year. So they'll make another deep run this year, I have no doubt. But um, with Bussey, it's a guy that. You know, when I would talk to him over the winter and kind of in the early spring, it was just like, yeah, you know, I know Coach Washington and, I, and he liked LaDamian. And then I think when the change happened, it was almost like, 
oh, that's too much. You know, like I like OU, but do I like OU enough to kind of refigure out where I stand with the new position coach, even though it was a guy in Emmett Jones that he knew a little bit, it just felt like my focus is elsewhere. But Emmett has worked really hard, really done a lot to get back into that recruitment. And I, I didn't give OU great chances at the start of the weekend. And I still think that they trail probably A&M. That's the school that everybody kind of has their eye on with Terry Bussey. But I, there's a chance. I mean, like, it's not the close. You know, I, I thought, they're okay, there's a crack at the door. Now Oklahoma's, you know, they, they can walk through that door a little bit. Like, there, there is um, – there's something definitely good happening there. And I talked to him and, you know, it was just him loving the, the staff, the kind of energy around Oklahoma, the stuff that we hear fairly regularly. And some kids really respond to it. And I think Terry is one of those kids and he had been up to Oklahoma. I think this was his second trip, if I'm not mistaken. It was his first one in quite a while. Um, and so th there's just a very different, feeling when you kind of get to get, be up there and be around those guys and that's why we see Oklahoma have these big bounces coming off of a weekend because they do bring a lot of energy and they kind of get these kids into the moment and um, we'll see like I, I'd be really interested to talk to Terry like two weeks from now and kind of see where OU is and see if that's worn off a little bit but as it stands right now I, I think Oklahoma absolutely will see Terry Bussey again before he's ready to make a decision. What is the big selling point there? Is, is it just simply like the kind of the run of the mill, uh, like the family atmosphere type of deal, or was it something more? I, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, I'm trying to kind of sit here and think about what he and I exactly talked about. But there was, there was definitely just a, a – I, and – it's not just about the coaches because like I said, that stuff's infectious. And so like when I talk to these guys, a lot of them are like, it was just the whole group of visitors. Like we all really hit it off. You know, there was, um, I believe it was Nigel Smith was talking about when everybody had a break, you know, we, and so he goes, and some guys went back to the hotel room and, and took a nap or whatever, you know, just kind of rested up before the night. But a lot of us just like hung out in, in the facilities and, you know, played video games and, you know, just kind of goofed around. And that's something that you hear a lot. Like, and it used to be like, I felt like there was a lot more kind of downtime. And now it just seems like these guys are just having fun, hanging out and being around the staff. And I think Terry was a big part of that too, is there's just a easy amount of comfort. And guys, I mean, I'm sure Emmett Jones is telling this guy like, we don't have any five stars in this room. Like you'd be that guy. And I know also talking to some people, Oklahoma strictly is recruiting him as a receiver. That's where they want him. I think some other schools are kind of like, ah, you know, we might give you a shot there, but we kind of like you at defensive back, which I get the appeal. You know, anybody that listens knows I want to turn everybody to a defender, but I, you know, a guy that plays quarterback for his high school team for him to still have a chance to have the ball in his hand all the time, I, I think that is that has some unique appeal. All right, guys, I know you're getting out there on the course more. Uh, you want to look impressive, and, and you want to look naked, basically, from the ankle down. Uh, that's why you got to go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and get yourself some no-shows. New styles coming out all the time. I've got like six or seven different styles. Love them. Uh, the silicone beads keep them from slipping down into your shoe. 
Uh, and nobody sees that you got the socks on, yet you feel comfortable. You feel like you're floating on air. Uh, also, the boardroom, same silicone technology. Keep those things from uh, sliding down around your ankles when you're out uh, and you got to dress up a little bit. Uh, and also, the college colorways. Uh, get some for game day. You've got uh, some uh, Oklahoma-themed ones as well. The Crimson uh, Pack, 4-Pack is out there. Uh, the Maker Bayfields. Just go check them out at deadsoxy.com. Use that promo code uh, SCOOP and uh, you'll get 25% off your entire order, even the sale items. So uh, promo code SCOOP, deadsoxy.com, and go stock up today on some of the best socks that you'll ever wear. And as always, stay soxy. As far as, I, th- I think if there was one thing that like, came out of Champion uh, Weekend outside of maybe the, the running back stuff with Taylor Tatum, I think that like the, the, the stuff that you go, this is the dream that you want, and especially when you're moving to the SEC, uh, it starts up front. I think everybody knows that. It's the defensive line. So let's start uh, getting into Nigel Smith, obviously, who you, we have a story up on Sooner Scoop uh, with him that you caught up with, uh, the Melissa defensive tackle, and then obviously uh, the big one with uh, with David Stone. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's just crazy when you look over that group of defensive linemen. I mean, and, and I mean, the when you look that, at the, the visit they, list. The, the picture that they put out, Josh, with like the current guys – when you see Trace Ford and you see P.J. Adebore and you see Rondell Bothroyd, uh, I think uh, Grayson Holt was in this picture. Like, it it makes you start dreaming a little bit. Like, this thing, that's, I feel like, when you start solidifying a defensive line with the guys that we're talking about, that's when I think almost the reality of, okay, you can start going to play with the boot. I, like, it, it feels like it starts up front, you get the defensive linemen, and then, you know, I'm not worried about what they're doing on, at linebacker. Like, James Nesta, if Brent Venables thinks he's good enough to play linebacker, he's good enough for me. It, it just seems like it's so important when you're talking about moving to 2024, uh, you know, with the SEC and playing against the quote-unquote big boys of college football, you have to have something up front. <laughs> well, and, and even if you're like, well, I'm not sure about James Nesta. If the defensive line in front of him is David Stone, Nigel Smith, uh, some mix of Jay Sean Ross, PJ Adabare, Dominic McKinley, who you know, whatever else you want to put together in this class that Oklahoma has a legitimate chance with, I don't care that much. Like, I mean, like I'm not saying that you don't need good linebacker play. You do. But Brent could MacGyver some linebackers together and be good enough to probably be fine because that offensive line is going to be so swamped trying to deal with a bunch of legitimate NFL defensive linemen. Uh, that's It just cannot be overstated how important that is. And talking to those guys, you know, talking to Nigel, I, Nigel is usually kind of guarded and, and kind of won't give you too much. But some of his quotes... I don't think you have to have the rosiest crimson glasses on to be like, that sounds pretty good. Um, when he was talking about, you know, just uh, could I, I asked him about that picture that you're referencing and I'm, you know, looking at it now, you've got David Stone, Nigel Smith, Jay Sean Ross, Dominic McKinley, uh, Joseph Jonah, Jeanier, and, and, and obviously PJ at the prize of last year's class, um, all kind of standing there. And, and it's just like, this is, it's hard to believe, but it's realistic. Like, this could happen. And I asked Nigel about it, and he was like, yeah, you know, I mean, and then you start talking, and he, you know, they're talking, they, everybody calls Grayson Halton G-Baby, and they're talking about him and how good they think he's going to be. And 
and it was like he'd say something and then he'd kind of catch himself like, oh, you know, I mean, if I'm going to go there, that kind of stuff. And then you read James Nesta's comments where he's like, oh, you got a bunch of silent commitments this weekend. Now, I'm a big advocate of silent doesn't mean anything because if you're not ready to go public, you're not committed. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I believe that. But at the same time, let's say you hit 70% of 10 silent commitments. That's pretty good especially from a weekend that was as talented as what they just had on campus. So um, I think it, they've, they're in great shape with Nigel Smith. They're in great shape with David Stone. Um, Dominic McKinley, I, I continue to hear that LSU has more work to do than they might normally for a uh, for Louisiana kid. Um, and I think he and Todd Bates have a really, really strong relationship. And I asked him if, you know, if Bates was – the co- the coach he felt closest to, and he kind of pulled up short of that. He he was like, ah, you know, I wouldn't say that, but there's no question that that's a coach he really has a bond with and really likes. Um, you know, the values of the staff. Like, I think that's a big deal to he and his family, and that really has resonated with them so far. It almost it almost sounds like Todd Bates might know what he's doing. Yeah, um, I and I will say, like, just on in the same breath. I've heard some stuff, and I'm not going to just completely disclose it because I think it's probably pretty personal for him, but I've heard some things with uh, Derek LeBlanc that made me go, okay, I kind of understand where he's coming from. And maybe some stuff that is completely out of the coach's hands. Yes. And, again, like, the guy transferred to UCF. Like, do you really – he could have went to UCF at any point last year. Like, do you think that's he prefers UCF? He prefers that coaching staff? No, he's obviously he's closer to home. The competition level is very different. Even, I mean, people can tell themselves like, oh, there, there's there's nothing at defensive tackle at Oklahoma. UCF would trade D tackle rooms with Oklahoma in a heartbeat, like in a heartbeat. It's just a very different level of expectation. So that changes the way it's viewed by fan bases and media and everybody else. So. Yeah, there, there's a lot. But, again, Todd Bates didn't, like, people act like he just popped up out of the ground and everybody hyped him up. No, he's been a really good recruiter and a really good developer of players for a long time. I think that shows up this year. I don't know why it wouldn't. I Again, I there's not a bunch of supreme talents, but I think he can make those guys into a functional defensive line group that frankly has a lot of depth so they can if nothing else he should be able to be cycling bodies through pretty quickly and if you can get those guys to play it you know just a little above average that can be good enough with what you have in that back seven that I think is quite good Josh I know you've been pretty clear on where you stand with David Stone but it seemed like he uh, had another good weekend I think he was was he back uh, again on campus this week Um, and I mean I know you've hinted at it a bit, but do you think he is maybe close to making a decision? He took – let's review the uh, the David Stone calendar. On Thursday, all three of us saw him on campus just hanging out at practice with Michael Patterson McDonald, um, who, he, who is one of his best friends, along with Caden Durham. Michael Patterson McDonald, who is a guy I've had a prediction in for a long time, Apparently, that visit went very, very well, and there's a lot of good feelings about Oklahoma. He's going to visit UNLV this weekend. 
and I we we know guys at UNLV. I mean, there's a lot of Oklahoma connections on that UNLV staff. I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade. The idea that he's going to pick UNLV over Oklahoma, I'm going to call pretty remote. Um, then you throw in Caden Durham, I'm who I put this, in a prediction in for this weekend. The Odoms, you're you're sabotaging yeah, their recruitment. I, that, that's all I need is Barry Odom at my door. That, that's a scary individual that I don't want knocking on my door in the middle of the uh, middle of the day. But no, um, and then you know, you throw in those two guys who are probably David's two closest friends in recruiting. He was with them all weekend. I think Oklahoma's in great shape with them, as I do with David. And then his buddy from IMG, Jaden Jackson, who takes a visit from Monday to Wednesday, is. He comes to Oklahoma right off the heels of David's visit. David's back on campus hanging out with Jaden and Todd Bates. And I know everybody's going to say, well, Josh, he's all over Twitter saying he didn't silently commit. I'm not saying he did. I'm not arguing that with David at all. What I am going to say is you don't keep coming back to a place that's not – like guys, I mean, I'd like you to think through the years – and I, I think back to guys like Reggie Smith and some other big-time in-state guys that really, that really went down to the wire that were on campus anywhere close to David Stone. I can't think of many. Like, and I can't think of one who didn't sign with Oklahoma. Like, I, again, he's going to go to Michigan State this weekend. It wouldn't shock me if he takes an Oregon trip. I think Oregon is the biggest danger to Oklahoma because of obviously Dan Lanning has a great track record. We know Oregon will do everything that can be done in the NIL game. But at the end of the day, I just, I think he's going to end up at Oklahoma. I think that's what David wants. And I think that's what eventually wins out. So uh, again, I, and what's going to be interesting is how quickly, not how quickly, if Oklahoma can find a way to get him in the boat as soon as possible, that's huge for that class. That's when you start to, okay, now, hey, Nigel, look who you're going to be lined up next to. You, it's David and PJ. Okay, now Nigel's on the boat. Okay, now, you know, like you, Williams, you know, Nanari, like you start to be able to make that pitch of, it's no longer a hypothetical of what that defensive line could be. You're starting to say, look at these pieces we're putting together. You have a chance to be the guys that rebuild Oklahoma's defense. Like you're going to be the forefront of everything we do for the next four years. Josh, do you feel good about Nanari too? Well, that takes an interesting turn. From yeah. I, It was really funny because Sunday, when reading some of the comments and hearing some people from Tennessee, I didn't think Tennessee made a big jump. I didn't get the same feeling that I did from that Oklahoma visit. Like when he visited Oklahoma, it was like, yeah, okay. That, that reassured a lot of things that we'd been hearing. And I was hearing a lot of positive buzz about Isaiah Mosey, who is, you know, for those that don't know the 2025 receiver that is Williams's teammate. Um, and you know, the son of, uh, Williams's head coach Jamar who played at Oklahoma. So you were like, okay, this is just getting more and more interconnected. And there's a lot that, that draws Williams and Airy to Oklahoma. Now, uh, I believe it was either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, you start hearing word that he's going to take a visit to Georgia and apparently didn't want the word to get out about that visit. If that's all true, and again, I'm assuming a lot. I haven't talked to him about it. I haven't talked to you know many sources about it yet. 
If that's the case, then you get worried. I, I've always said, like, when a guy wants to keep a visit quiet, that's dangerous. Um, we'll see. But, uh, again, I, I knew he liked the Georgia visit. I thought they did a good job with him. I'm, I'm interested to see how he's going to treat that because, again, it feels like Oklahoma has the relationship. Oklahoma has a lot of track record of defensive linemen, even if not at Oklahoma. And Georgia, obviously, is rolling right now, the absolute wagon of college football. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, there's a realistic chance that Williams and Airy walks into Oklahoma and takes a starting job next year. That's not going to happen at Georgia. Like, we all know it. As talented as he is, there's other guys that are similarly talented on that Georgia roster that have had to wait their turn. He'll have to wait his. I, I don't know how he reacts to that. So that'll be – that's some, but. There's also part of me that thinks, like, is this – could this be the last thing? Like, he wants to see Georgia one more time and then, okay, I'm going to make my choice or what exactly that looks like. So, we'll see. I There's still not concrete confirmation that he's going to take that trip. But if he does, it's a little uh, – that feels a little dicey to me. If he doesn't, I still feel really good about where OU is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I know every recruiting battle is different, but man, if the, if OU could win a defensive line recruit over Georgia, that would just be It feels gargantuan. I mean, yeah. it, it feels like it'd be so much bigger, and I don't want to... I don't want it to be in like a bad connotation, but it seems like it would be so much bigger than it really actually is, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things like because you miss Williams. Okay, great. Let's say you get Wyatt Gilmore instead, who loved his visit, and I, I'm considering putting in a prediction for him as well. Like I know we talked of, uh, probably, what, a month or more ago, Eddie, about you, know, you and I both kind of hearing stuff that, Oklahoma's going to sign not just like a good defensive line class, but a huge defensive line right. class with, you know, six, seven, eight guys. They are working those numbers hard and really want to flip that room over. So um, Gilmore is a guy that would make a lot of sense. Is the difference between Wyatt Gilmore and Williams and Neri going to be the difference in an SEC championship? Probably not. But go get them both. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, it's like, let's let the, that – that can work itself out on the field, and you'll be in good shape. So, um, I just kind of feel again, like, I I like where it's trending, but we've been here before. OU's going to have to close these guys. Yeah, and I I know that like they've been here before. They haven't been able to you know truly get over that hump as far as the defensive line recruiting goes. But I, just like the thought of going out and getting a couple five stars and how much easier they make a life for a, a really good linebacker. Like, I think that, you know, as the defensive line started to play better a year ago, you saw things starting to come on at least uh, a little bit towards the end of the year for somebody like a Danny Stutzman. I just feel like they go such hand-in-hand as far as making the defense better that you need to start somewhere. And I think that that is, you know, obviously the defensive line is where this thing kind of needs to really truly make a turn and begin before they get to the SEC. 
Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, that, that, that is the spot where they are clearly deficient by that league standards. Right. Everything else, you're like, okay, you know, you can win with a receiver group that's not elite, or you can, you know, there's a lot of answers that can that can work. But that defensive line, that that that's not going to play in the SEC. They've got to get elite bodies there. And it's not to say that like they need they don't need elite bodies at cornerback either. But when you see somebody like a Gentry Williams, like we ran into last week at camp. It's like, I, I told you guys, I, I don't remember a, a cornerback looking like Gentry does right now in the last, you know, couple years or handful of years. And I know that they've sent some guys to the league, but at the same time, it, it just kind of highlights where this thing is going. And, you know, if, if nothing else too, and I was talking to a buddy about this the other day for them to continue to recruit at such a high level, coming even off of the six and seven season. Like I can get buying into a program that is trying to turn around or whatever you want to call it coming off of a six and seven year for them to keep that class together. That told me something. And for them to be able to continue to do it, even without having played a game and improved it, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to believe something that's not there, but it does make you feel good about the direction that this thing is headed. Well, and, and Josh mentioned closing on these guys. I think a large part of that this year is winning. Sure. I mean, go win on the football sure. field, and, and that will help land a lot of these guys. I mean, I don't know if, if – Josh, I'm sure you feel the same way, but that to me – I mean, we, we know these guys are great recruiters. The guys that came over from Clemson, we, I mean, they landed great players at Clemson, but if you can go out and win this year, uh, that's only going to help you more with a lot of these guys. Oh, I – Guys, I, you know, somebody asked me in the board chat, let's say OU's 9-3 and three last year. Are some of these guys in the boat, or is the class look a little different? I 100% I think so. Like, I don't – and I think there are guys um, still out there that maybe even have committed elsewhere or are, you know, a little – playing a little hard to get, I guess, with Oklahoma right now, that if Oklahoma can go out and start 5-0, and 6-0, and which we all agree with their schedule – they should. I mean, they, they, there's no reason to walk into the Cotton Bowl not undefeated. Um, if that can happen, you might see some guys that OU fans have written off or, you know, seem like long shots could turn. And even let's, you know, let's say Georgia lands Williams in the area. Like, let's say they, they pull off a shocker this weekend. But Oklahoma goes out and starts 5-0. and and Georgia starts a bunch of sophomore defensive ends that are going to be there for the next two years and just be absolute, you know, monsters. Who's to say that Oklahoma couldn't get back in in that race with a relationship that goes back as far as his and Miguel Chavis's does if Oklahoma can show positive momentum? They are moving in the right direction. So, again, like, I know OU fans kind of feel like, oh, even when they get a commitment, like I said early in the pod, they kind of have this negative waiting for the other shoe to drop. It can go the other way, too. Like, you can lose a guy and stay in that race and come back for a late win. The reason you didn't see much of that last year was because the season went so off the rails. It's hard to do that when you're playing 500 football. You're going 10-2, and 11-1. and one, you, you can do some big things, especially when you can tell every freshman that's going to be incoming, your first game, you know, your first conference game is going to be in the SEC, not the Big 12. What about uh, Joseph Jonah Ajanye? Uh, that's a name that I don't think that we've talked about yet. I think Oklahoma absolutely crushed that visit, and I don't think it matters. I, that, that, that's the easiest way I can say it. Um, Joseph's a kid I know really well. I, I don't think he's 
It's not like, oh, he's made a silent commitment or made a decision or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I just think he, you know, back when I went to see him, it was right after Georgia had offered him. And it, we did this whole interview, and it's just like Oklahoma is incredible. Like, he, he had almost committed, like, at more than one point there. He loved Oklahoma. And, and he still does in a lot of ways. But Georgia, he, he goes, Georgia's my dream school. And, you know, we, again, listen to, all, listen to what we've talked about in the last 10 minutes. Like, we all get it. Like, he's, that's a great defensive lineman. That school's becoming a factory for first-round picks on the defensive line. And um, I, I just think Oklahoma did everything they possibly could. He loved the visit. He had a great time. Oklahoma's just not Georgia. Like that, and, that's, and I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that is what's in his head is Georgia has it all put in place for me to be a great defensive lineman. Oklahoma, I think, can get me there. I think can do that. I know Georgia can. Sure. And so I think, that's, I think that's the only difference, and I don't know how Oklahoma overcomes that. Champion Barbecue, obviously a success. Anybody else that uh, maybe we haven't discussed that you wanted to, Josh? Um. I know that we, we hit, hit on Zena. We hit on Zena in, mm-hmm. I believe, the Kevin Sperry pod that we're going to get to yep. here in a second. Uh, OU Texas, obviously, with his brother down in Austin right now. It still seems like even that might be kind of the uh, the same as JJA as far as they did a really good job, but there's only so much you can make up. Yeah, I, I think he, he is the first one that comes to mind. Um, you, you know, again, you'll hear people say, ah, maybe he doesn't want to play with his brother, but you hear that stuff all the time, and then they usually end up going to play with their brother. So, like, well, I, I am willing to be surprised. I think that that is possible, but I think it's unlikely. Um, I, I think it's one of those fun stories that people, t- that, you know, the kids and their families tell so that their kid can, you know, that the younger son can be recruited too. And then at the end of the day, you know, brothers want to play with brothers. So, like, I, I'm not judging him. I get it. Uh, Jay Sean Ross um, has not said much publicly, but um, in a kind of cryptic text told me that we would catch up Thursday. I don't exactly know what that means. I don't know if that means he's going to be the next guy uh, on board. I don't know if he's going to release a top three or four. Like, I, I don't know what exactly Thursday means. And it may just be that's the first time he's like, okay, I can sit down with my coaches and my parents and by Thursday I'll, I'll have something, something to say. So, I mean, it could be that meaningless. Like we, we just don't know what that means. But, um, and finally a guy I did want to mention, uh, and I know we haven't had a chance to talk about this, Casey Poe, the big offensive lineman from Lindale that just wrapped up his official visit. Actually is headed to LSU. Uh, I believe as we speak. And, um, from everything I'm told, that visit went really well. I think Oklahoma feels really positive. Um, I don't think anybody knows. He certainly isn't like a silent commitment or anything like that. But I think Oklahoma feels they're in as good a shape as anybody. And I'm I'm hoping to talk to Casey sometime in the next 48 hours. Like I said, he's headed to LSU, so we'll see how that, that all can work out. But um, I, I just go back to what he talked about when um, – uh, when I went and saw him this spring, he just talked about how important the soul mission was to him, how much that really hit the right notes with him. 
And he was like, nobody else has anything even close to it. Like all the, you know, I can play football and I can work on my future internship. I can do all these things to better my life even beyond football and I can help people. You know, he's a, he's a kid with a lot of faith. So I think that, that hits a lot of notes for him. So we'll, we'll see. But I feel like Oklahoma with him has been this school that a lot of people kind of write off. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't. I think Oklahoma is absolutely a contender for Casey Poe. Texas Tech a serious threat there? They they it might be. Like I mean, like I know he likes it a lot. And it, it God, Eddie, like, you've been around Joey. Joey's yeah, not a hard guy to well, want to play for. That, that's what I was getting ready to say. Is it seems like you know you see the Micah Hudson stuff that's out there right now with mm-hmm. Tech. I it seems like they're starting, and and maybe they've been doing it, and I just haven't been realizing. But you're right. Joey McGuire is a very dynamic, charismatic uh, head football coach. I I think that that's definitely a school that seems like they are starting to maybe get their ass together a little bit. And, you know, with the new stadium that, or the, the renovations that they're doing out there at uh, Jones stadium, it just seems like there's a lot of positive momentum for Texas tech as well right now. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, like you mentioned Mike Hudson and somebody on the board chat was like, can OU get involved with Micah Hudson? Surely they can beat Texas tech for a recruit. And somebody immediately responds, Texas and Texas A&M aren't having a lot of luck with it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's just, Micah has a very interesting view of how he wants to handle recruiting. He cut off OU for, I mean, I don't know a better way to say it than unique reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just think he's looking at it different. But again, Joey is incredible at making people feel like they're the only person on earth he wants to talk to. Like, sure. I mean, I remember going to his practices and Joey would be like, what do you want to hear? And he'd like this big tower of like sound system, like that's uh, literally attached to their, their coaching viewing ta- uh, tree. And he would be like, uh, and he would just play whatever I asked him to play. And it was the, I'd never seen anything like it before or since. And it's just one of those things where, like I said, he is so good at engaging you on whatever your level is. And uh, Joey is, like I said, he's he's a ton of fun. He's easy to like. And um, it does not shock me that he's recruiting really well. He He's going to steal guys from time to time from the powers just because he is – that he's that good he's that likable oh I, I think that there's a reason why even going back what was it when Oklahoma was looking to replace Jamar Kane that uh I think that there was a lot of feeling out there like go get Joey McGuire look what he's doing in Waco already and I think he was just the tight ends coach at the time or maybe not even had been elevated onto uh Baylor's staff or it, maybe it had just been a year so there is um you know obviously a lot of reasons a lot of personal reasons as well that I think we all like Joey McGuire. He's a really easy guy to cheer for. All right. Yeah. That kind of wraps up the uh, Champion Barbecue, obviously. Uh, let's get to the other big news of the week. And uh, it's a story that you and George both worked on, uh, you know, here on, God, what was that, Monday? Seems mm-hmm. like uh, that was forever ago. But Kevin Sperry moving to Carl Albert. Uh, we did the, uh, the YouTube show about it. If you haven't seen that on Sooner Scoop's YouTube channel, go check that out subscribe, like, do whatever, share it with a friend, share it with your mistress. I don't care who it is. Uh, just make sure that it's getting out there. But uh, obviously huge news for the east side of Oklahoma City. I mean, it's going to be fun to um, 
go watch them, Eddie. I'm sure you and I and yeah. Bob will, will be out. I mean, Josh and will I, probably. I think the best part about going to cover them is you're going to only have to go for a, probably about a half. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> going to they're gonna beat the hell out of some teams. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just massive news. And, and it seems, Josh, and this is where I, I kind of want to lead off of it because we kind of already told the story of how it all went down. But uh, we saw as early, I think it was Monday afternoon, maybe it was Tuesday, um, you know, Kevin Sperry put out that that tweet, that picture of him, Xavier Robinson, Tristan Haynes, Trene Washington. Um, maybe there's a couple others in there, but he's already seemed to maybe um, start recruiting some of these guys. And we talked a little bit about it on the YouTube show. He, he's more of an introverted kid, at least the few times that I've talked to him. But um, it's clear that, you know, he might be nudging some of those guys uh, towards OU's direction. Oh, there's no question. I mean, and, and Kevin – is not like a brash in your face guy. Like I definitely would agree with that, but he is always thinking about recruiting. Cause there's some guys I'll talk to and you know, like you working on anybody and it's very, Oh yeah. You know, I think the coach is going to send me a list or something and I'll make some calls. Like he knew the minute he committed, like I'm working on Grayson Harris. I'm working on Desan Brom. Uh, I'm working on, you know, if Devon Mitchell, if we need any work there, I'm going to do that. Like, he knew where he wanted to go. Michael Fasusi, the big offensive lineman from uh, Louisville, like, he had a very clear plan of what he wanted to do. And um, so I, I don't think there's any question. And, guys, that's the crazy thing. You're going to go to Carl Albert games, and it's going to be like an IMG game because, like, I don't think IMG has six guys with an OU offer or five guys now. So – it's crazy. And it's not like, oh, you know, oh, you're kind of taking a flyer on this guy. Every one of those guys has power five offers. Like, it's not just, oh, you loving an in-state guy. Like, it is just an absurd amount of talent at Carl Albert. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I've had people hit me up. Like, I've heard a rumor this guy's looking that direction, too. Like, I, I don't know that Mike Dunn is, you know, I hate to say it, Mike Dunn is done uh, at Carl Albert. But, again, I want to be really clear. I've never gotten any vibe that this is Carl Albert driven. I know Kevin Sperry was not like they called him. They contacted him. There was no pursuit there. This wasn't something because guys, the thing that I, and I talked to you guys about it when we started chasing this rumor, Carl Albert has a really good quarterback that took him to a state championship last year. And sure. a guy named Cash Barris that is going to go play baseball at Oklahoma state. I mean, player. clearly a guy that can throw the ball. He's an exceptional baseball player. So, it, it, like this wasn't something like if if Mike Dunn was going to go look for some help, he'd be looking for defensive linemen or you know uh, I, I well I I'm trying to think of a list of where Carl Albert needs help and it's pretty short yeah so um but are they, you know, are they, like quarterbacks not his first problem by any stretch serious question most talented OK preps team since. I mean, obviously, like that 98 Jinx team comes to mind. They were unbelievable mm. with Rocky and uh, Rocky Bright, uh, Rocky Kalmus, obviously, Matt McCoy, who ended up starting at safety for Oklahoma. There was a number of guys on that team. The The sophomore team with Kendall Thompson kind of comes to mind. Um, oh, what was the uh, the kid's name that uh, the tight end that ended up at Oklahoma for a cup, a cup of coffee as well? Austin Haywood. Austin Haywood. Uh, they were they – were, uh, they were a really good team. Who else comes to mind when you're talking about, I mean, six offers on one team in state. It simply just doesn't happen as maybe surprising as that may be. It, it is an incredibly short list of, of teams 
that I can even think of that are close. Um, because again, you're not talking about like, oh, it's some guys with some offers. Like these are guys with like Notre Dame offers. These are guys with Alabama offers. These are guys with big time possibilities. And it's not, I mean, like the only schools that immediately come to mind for me are Jinx and Union. And I think about those late 90s teams for both those guys that were just loaded. Like, I don't think Jinx and Union have been loaded like that since that time because Owasso, Broken Arrow, everybody else has kind of grown, Bixby have grown up around them and kept some of that talent on their roster rather than all those guys eventually ending up in that direction. So I, I can't think of any that are, I mean, again, because it's not just about good. These are elite guys. And, you know, to a man, in the right scenario, all have some degree of NFL potential. And that's a crazy thing to say for a bunch of kids, you know, from the east side of Oklahoma City. I mean, at least, you know, four of the five are uh, are connected over there. I want uh, Carl Albert and Bixby to meet in like Chandler, Oklahoma after the state championships and winner takes both gold, gold balls. Maybe we'll just put it together. The sooner scoop bowl. That'd be awesome. They, uh, they, they would be probably, that would be a really good game. Like that's one of the only teams right now. And at least on paper that I would pause and think, and Jinx is obviously going to be good. Again. Union's going to be good. Gonna be extremely yeah. good. Very talented. Probably should have won six, a one a year ago. Um, or at least got to the state championship game after getting upset in the overtime game. But it is pretty impressive when you consider, and maybe it's just because the tradition that is at Carl Albert. I mean, you look at them a year ago, uh, I think they started one and four, one and three, and then all of a sudden they did what Carl Albert usually does, and they got better each week. And by the end of it, they were the best team in 5A. They, uh, like I said, it, it's just it's hard to quantify like how almost unfair it seems like it's just, and, and again, like I guess as I think of talented teams, I could say maybe some of those Booker T teams with like Meacham and some of the, and Mark Anderson and some of those guys that were really, really good teams. Sure. Um, that had a lot of a legitimate power five type talent. Um, what's interesting guys is Bixby, Carl Albert would be such a fun game because it's two teams that have a system. They know the system. They're established. Like their kids, like even the uh, even the really good players at those schools, like they grow up dreaming of playing for those schools. Like they they may know that their their playing career will go beyond, but like it's a big deal even for the stars to wear that uniform. Like it means a lot. So I, I think that's that's always a lot of fun. But I saw Bixby this spring, guys. Like they on the hoof, they don't look like Carl Albert. Now, I'm not saying they couldn't beat Carl Albert because they're going to come at, with wave after wave of good football players. Like just, I mean, not your your household names, not your guys like Carl Albert has, but so many guys that will play at a Tulsa, at a North Texas, at you know Arkansas State, stuff like that. Like good high school football players and it's kind of like do this many stars win out or is it just Bixby destroys you with numbers speaking of Josh I don't know if you just saw this on Twitter or not but uh, Xavier Robinson just announced he's 
announcing his commitment June twenty seventh. So there you go. Running that was Carl Albert. Yep. I had heard some talk of that, and I had kind of been uh, been told to keep that under my hat. So that doesn't shock me at all. I don't want to do the thing that some do. And I knew about this for a week. Like I, I, I'd heard about it following his official visit. So sure. you know, for a little bit now. But that that and I Is that even telling, then it was though? like I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Even before he starts his Oklahoma State official visit that he already knows he's making a decision and is going to announce it and that kind of thing. I, Again, I think Oklahoma's in great shape here. Um, God, there's so much and I, I, I truly want to see him in action this year, like almost maybe even more so than Kevin Sperry, just because of what he's going to do to people trying to tackle him. I mean, he, it's, it's going to basically be a highlight just from a like Scoop HD video standpoint. Very selfishly, I just want to see him run over kids. I want to watch him like the okay the evaluator side of me wants to watch him against like Muskogee where like there's good athletes there's tough I mean Muskogee's tough kids they'll stick their nose in they'll they'll do what they need to do or what they can do to deal with Xavier Robinson like I get that 100% Dell City same way tough kids there's a part of me that wants to watch them go play the worst team on their schedule that that he'll actually play a few downs against like you know say Carl Albert's a 30-point favorite in this game, you know, for for lack of a better way to put it. And he's going to get some carries, and there's some athletes on that field that have no business trying to tackle that kid and just watching the, the train wreck that that's going to be. Um, it's not any good from an evaluator standpoint, but just like you said, Eddie, the content of watching poor little Billy just get massacred by Xavier Robinson is is kind of too funny to not think about. As far as Kevin Sperry goes, and I know that we've we've gone into it in multiple different ways here, uh, just the addition to, of him to what we've already talked about as far as the 2025 class in state. I mean, if if it wasn't already maybe one of the best classes to come through Oklahoma on paper, uh, the addition of somebody that could be a top 50 quarterback in the country or a top 50 player as a quarterback in the country, I, that certainly has to take it over the top, does it not? <laughs> Guys, is Oklahoma going to produce more Power 5 quarterback signees next year than any any state in the country? I think there's a very like, good that chance. That seems possible. Uh, and with the crazy Thicklin thing is, I, I still think Grady Adamson is incredible. I I have not I don't think I've reported this anywhere and it's not like it's breaking news or anything like that but talking to some people around OU there are people that I, I'm not going to say they don't think Kevin Sperry's better they do think Kevin Sperry's better but they don't think there's a big gap between Kevin Sperry and Grady Adamson like they, they there are people that I'm not saying that's Jeff Lebby I'm not saying that's anybody I'm just saying there are people around that program that really like Grady Adamson and I and I couldn't agree more. I know uh, I love the Ficklin kid. I know he really impressed the hell out of you and me, Eddie, this spring when we saw him. Yes. Um, I've had a chance to see him once since then at the Owasso team camp. And that dude, it's easy velocity. Like it really pops off his hand. Um, great athlete. Uh, there's a lot to like there. I, I could hear the case for him being the, the number two guy. Now I, I'm used to talking about number one, um, but I think it's him and Adamson. And then I think, um, You've got, uh, obviously, David McComb at Edmund Memorial, uh, Grady Adamson at Deer Creek. I don't know that we've said that. And then um, 
Shaker Isaac, obviously at Union, the you know probably most famous of the four, sure. to be perfectly honest. And then you add Kevin Sperry to that list, and it's just that's nuts. Silly. I mean, I think Ficklin, Adamson, and um, uh, Sperry obviously could all end up being like top two hundred players in the country. Like they they have that sort of potential. And I'm frankly keep waiting for Adams, Adamson and Ficklin to start getting the notoriety I think they deserve. The way that he handled, uh, and I don't know, I mean, the way that he handled a playoff game as a sophomore last year, I was blown away with how well he played out at Mustang uh, as Deer Creek went on to a state, sem- uh, state final, I believe. So it will be kind of interesting to see all of that, uh, I guess, wraps up here over the next year, two years for both of the, or, uh, you know, all the quartet of them. It, it seems like it's, uh, you know, something that just – it doesn't happen very often, and I think that that is uh, more than notable. It uh, – again, it's crazy that only like two days later his thunder was stolen because Dylan Rayola is transferring to Buford in Georgia to uh, – I mean, Buford now has like three, five stars on the roster. I mean, like top, and I mean, I'm talking like top 12 guys in the country with Edric Houston, uh, Rayola, and uh, KJ Bolden. So, and and much like Kevin Sperry, going to be recruiting those guys to UGA, just like Kevin Sperry is going to be trying to get guys to Oklahoma with him. Sure. All right. I think that uh, that will do it this week, I believe. Anything else that we need to uh, discuss, come to the forefront with? You guys have any tips for Jamaica? Never been. So I, I could not. Love Cabo. I'm a big ha- Cabo guy, but outside of uh, – you probably have more uh, dealings with island life, Josh. I've been to Jamaica once. We went there for our anniversary, I think, three or four years ago. Um, obviously, probably a little different life than you were living that – you know, that you're going to be living, George. Um, yeah. But – you know, I would say now. Where are you staying in Jamaica? Like, where where is it going to be? Uh, the Moon Palace Resort, courtesy of The Price Is Right. One of the all time stories. That is that is just fantastic. I you have, you have I a buddy that won the showcase. My, my my college roommate went on the show in September of last year and won trips to Paris, Jamaica, and Turkey. And I'm going to Jamaica <laughs> with him, so it's going to be awesome. That is amazing. Now, do you know, are you staying closer to Kingston or are you over in the grill? We're at Ocho Rios, I think. Is okay. This? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know where you're at. Yeah, yeah. You're, we stayed pretty close to Kingston when we were there. Okay. I, I was going to tell you, bring like something to do on that ride to Montego or Negril because they are way the hell out it's there. It's an the hour, hour and a half drive or more is what I saw. So mm-hmm. it's a yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, the nice part for us is because we had had a friend that was like, where are you at? And we didn't, uh, I, I, well, I didn't know. And Tiffany's like, oh, no, no, we're real close. It's fine. And then we could see the buses going to the next place. And it was like 84 kilometers or something. You're like, oh, crap. That's, that's a long time to ride on a little uh, complimentary bus to the, uh, from the airport. So Just in my experiences uh, no, but, of being out of the country, the, uh, the guys that stand on the beach with the umbrellas, those are the ones that you want to talk to, you know, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They usually, <laughs> they, they've got a, uh, let's call it a story to tell. Yeah. And so. they, yeah. And you usually want to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially in Jamaica. Them, and then talk to them for hours, especially if they have what you're looking for. All right. Uh, 
I think that's going to do it. Uh, we appreciate Kerry Murdoch for coming for uh, 15 minutes. That was a, uh, a lovely time. He will be back. He will be the one posting it. We'll see if he listens to this. Uh, that will do it. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>